welcome guys to episode 14 of Astrocast. This is the last episode of the 2015 season. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about uh, how the season finished and maybe what's uh, ahead of us. I've got Jordan and James with me. What's up, fellas? Hello. What's going on, Chad? Oh, man. I think there's a lot going on, right? Yeah. I mean, not so much anymore. Yeah, I honestly think that it's good that we like waited a little bit for for our emotions to calm before recording this last episode because I don't I don't know if I would have been able to handle talking about it like the day after the season ended. <laughs> yeah, no way. So like today's like October nineteenth, uh, which is a Monday, and what the the season ended on last week on Wednesday, Wednesday. so about five days uh, since the game five loss. Yeah, yeah, it hurt. It hurt bad. I was, uh, I don't know if it was the baseball or not, but game was on Wednesday. I woke up Thursday. I was sick. I did not get out of bed Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. (laughs) And to be honest, it was kind of the majority of what I thought about as I was like laying there convalescing, just thinking about the Astros, but not necessarily thinking about, you know, what what went wrong we know what went wrong but i'm in a, i'm in a much better place now having reflected on it for a few days i i look back at the season as a, a resounding success it's it was painful right because in game four it I, I don't know for me my mind immediately went to what could have been you know you're up six two in an elimination game at home where we played so well multiple home runs you know that was like a big thing all season long you know the ushers are blah and blah when they've hit two or more home runs you know and it's like well we hit three and we have this huge momentum upswing there's like no way we lose this and for me that was like the crushing one you know at the end of that i just literally sat and stared at my tv in disbelief for about 20 25 minutes yeah i think to me the game four loss hurt more than the game five loss did like you said that was a game that we were up granted we're up against the royals who are like they can come back better than almost any other team but it was just is heartbreaking, right? But like you said, James, overall, the season was a success for us because if I would have asked both of y'all in January of last year, what do you expect from this team this season? What would your answers have been? I think that there's actually a thread that was up there uh, on what you expected for the team this year. I can't remember what I said. It was either like 500 ball or like a game or two over. Mine was 500. Mine was 500 ball. I would have been happy with 500 ball. What about you, James? I believe mine was uh, 86 and 77. Um, no, wait. It was. That's impossible, uh, yeah. it, it totaled 161 games, and part of my prediction was a game was going to be uh, delayed and then suspended and ultimately not made wow. up in Detroit because of the 2015 Detroit raccoon infestation. <laughs> that didn't happen either. Oh man, it's uh, if that had come true, I might be calling you to to get some sports betting advice. I was certain of it back <laughs> back in April. I just I knew it. I knew it would happen, but it didn't happen. So we all I think we all thought we were going to be decent this year, you know? Yes. To me, it's a little bit like making ourselves try to feel better when we talk about where we thought we were going to be for, versus like where we ended up. I mean, the reality is there we were far and away in first place longer in the AL West than any other team, and we didn't win the division. Mm-hmm. And I think when I look back on this year, it's not necessarily we won the wild card game. That will be a great memory. Dallas Keuchel's dominance in the playoffs, you know, throw out game five and that BS. Like, 
that will be a good memory. The, to me, the big regret is we didn't win the division, and we should have. That's your big regret? That's my Seriously? biggest regret. Yeah, but to me, I think the problem with saying that we should have won the division is if we would have won the division, we would have eventually gone on to play the Blue Jays, right? And you, like you said, we got so much joy out of winning the wild card game, but would we have even gotten any anything comparable to that joy from playing a five game series against the blue jays i don't know like for me like hanging a wild card banner isn't hanging a real banner you know like yeah hanging hanging a division banner hanging a um alcs a league champion banner or hanging a world series banner those are the three for me that really matter and maybe that's a little bit like being purist i mean essentially the wild card is just a way to find out who's the least worst team right you take the two worst teams and you put them in a game and you see who's not as, as bad as the other one. And I don't know, to me, it's like if we take a trophy for that, it's a little bit like a trophy that every kid gets a trophy mentality. Well, I don't know. Look at the National League wild card. I mean, like you had the the two, two, two of the teams with some of the best records in all of baseball in that wild card game. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. And that was a fluke this year. And a lot of people are angry about that, right? It's the first time that it's ever happened since the wild card Actually, I think it, it was the first time since the early 1900s where you had uh, the three best records in one league in one division. So I get that. It's a little bit different for National League versus the American League. And I also get that wild card teams have gone on to win the World Series, you know, most notably uh, in recent memory, the, the Giants. Um, but you kind of have to like go on and do something past that one game for it to count. Like the you know? Royals mm-hmm. going sweeping the DS, sweeping the CS last season. Exactly. Yeah. That counted for something, you know. Um, so I don't know. Like to, I didn't expect this team to win a playoff series again, not counting uh, the wild card game. So for me, at least, the biggest regret, and, and I'm curious what what James' biggest regret is, because you kind of like called called me out is that really it but like for me it is not winning the division i'm with you on the whole wild card thing it kind of irks me when i see the banners that are hung and they say wild card champion right what does that even mean uh, yeah wild card champion like if you if you're the second wild card are you a wild card champion or do you have to win the wild card game now i mean the rules <laughs> have obviously changed about the pennant uh since uh 2012 when they right. started this system and the cubs and pirates are definitely a casualty of the system and and you know further proof that this system is flawed exciting but flawed um my biggest regret of the season is losing game four of the divisional series that was probably the second most heart-wrenching loss i've ever experienced as an astros fan the first being Pujols knocking that ball into orbit off a lidge you know, in the 2000, 2005. I wholeheartedly agree with you on both of those, that, that that's the biggest regret, and yeah. I mean, not to just harp on it, but we could have put them away. Correa and Colby going back-to-back like that. I didn't get to watch the game. Um, it, was, it started at noon, so that is another big regret that I have, <laughs> not leaving work to watch the game, yeah. bad as it turned out. I was listening to it, and I was jumping up and down, uh, listening to the broadcast at work, basically telling myself, we won. We did it. We're yeah. going to do it. 
and to just listen to the play-by-play and not even see it, but to listen to the play-by-play and hear Robert Ford and Steve Sparks describe us losing the game in that way was heart-wrenching. Just heart-wrenching. That's my, that's my biggest regret of the season as, as an Astros fan. Interesting. I felt like we weren't, we weren't supposed to be at this point this year. You know, so I can forgive losing in the division series like next year. If we don't take that next step like that to me is complete regret. Like we should have done better. That's it's, it's interesting to kind of to hear the thought in comparison to the Brad Lidge, uh, Albert Pujols mammoth home run, because I sat there in front of my TV during that collapse. And the only thing. The only moment that I can remember in my history of, of watching the Astros that felt the same was that exact moment. It hurt, but uh, how would you how would you rank that Game Four collapse um, with the 05 Lidge, Pujols thing? Like, which which one was more um, heart wrenching to you? Probably circumstantially because of who did it, it'd probably be the the Pujols home run. I don't know. What do you think, Jordan? Honestly, to me, it's definitely the Game Four loss, but. That's just because that hmm. uh, after the Pujols home run, we still wound up coming back. We still wound up winning, but after the game four loss, we we didn't did the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that that's that's what we did. That's what happened. But what do we? What does the team do now between now and uh, and the beginning of next season? The no brainer is what do we do about this bullpen? They were so good all year long. Uh, but we saw them stumble down this stretch and we saw them stumble into the playoffs. And part of me believes that, you know, it, it's more so on hitters than on the relief staff. Like they didn't necessarily change anything drastic. I think the, the batters became more and more locked in. And just where our starting staff was going, they knew that their opportunity was in the bullpen and not against starters. And to me, that changed the dynamic of it. And when you're throwing like 96, 97, 98 plus, um, it's a little harder to lock in on that kind of stuff. But when you're throwing, um, you know, low 90s fastball sinker types like Gregerson, it's when you make that one small mistake, it's much more easy to expose. Or alternatively, like that seventh inning, it's really easy to kind of put together five straight singles. Not easy. I should qualify that. It's more within the realm of possibility. So to me, at least, like Luno, you know, Frankenstein the bullpen together this past year. I, I think he goes absolutely ballistic on the bullpen this year. And, and we see uh, two or three new arms in there on the back end. Well, so as far as the bullpen goes, uh, one thing that in hindsight, in my opinion, at least, I I want to know what y'all, what y'all think about this as well, but I kind of think that Hinch might regret having not added Qualls to the playoff roster for that final series. What do y'all think? He is a bullpen arm who has playoff experience, and we could have used that perhaps, right? I don't know, man. His playoff experience has given up a grand slam. True. <laughs> but experienced nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, he's been in that moment. I mean, you, you saw Brad Lidge go on to the Phillies and basically be put together one of the best seasons in closer history. So there's a lot of negative emotions uh, with Qualls just by virtue of like what we've seen. So I don't think there's a lot of people necessarily second guessing it. But I could see Hinch uh, kind of wishing that he had that arm in the bullpen because I think 
I feel like Qualls is the type of guy to give up a run or two, a big run or two, um, but be able to kind of like buckle down and force his way through it. And realistically, that's all we needed in that inning. We just needed outs. Yeah. And so you said that you envision two to three bullpen arms coming in in the offseason, Hinch going after or Luna going after him. Uh, Sip, Oliver Perez, and Joe Thatcher are all free agents after the season. <clears throat> Out of those three, who do you bring back and why? Sip, easy. Sip's the only yeah. one on my like. I Sip, I would definitely want to bring back Perez and Thatcher. No thanks. I, I'm a hundred hundred percent on board. Sip has a lot of value, uh, and we all saw that. And I I think he is uh, one of three to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then as far as other free agents, uh, Scott Casimir, Colby Rasmus. Uh, I've already been reading articles saying that the Astros are not likely. To uh, that, that Rasmus is not likely to receive qualifying offer because he's a uh, dude's looking to get paid after that run that he just had in the uh, in the postseason. That's what I don't get. Like they're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Rags are basically saying that the Astros won't extend a qualifying offer to him. Is that right? Um, I'm not sure exactly. I thought that it was. I don't remember exactly who it was that had said that, but I think it was just sort like some sort of sources. And I was reading how it, he might be a target for the uh, for the Tigers because the Tigers might look to to uh, deepen their outfield with him. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, out of out of Casimir and Rasmus, do you want to bring either of those two back? I want to bring Colby back. I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. I love Colby. I love him. Yeah, his his postseason performance speaks for itself in that context. His uh, defense is fine. His you know his his hitting is adequate. He's good against even lefties. He's got power. He's got speed. I think that the qualifying offer of fourteen some odd million, mm-hmm. I, I don't think is uh, too much for a guy like that, especially when you consider. Um, the possibility of maybe moving uh, Preston Tucker to a different position, maybe first base, just throwing it out there and not making an argument for or against it. Um, I, I think it could be worth it. And I love Colby. I love him. So your ideal outfield for us is from left to right, Rasmus Gomez Springer for next season? No, not really. I'm I'm kind of in the Marisnik camp. Yeah? I just, I am. Gomez just seems to be pretty fragile. Yeah, I'm, I've, I was actually one of the things that I I think everybody was thinking during during the postseason was you know Gomez came up with some big swings for us, he came up with some big plays for us, but he also came up with some flubs. And could that have been because of his injury? You know, getting picked off at first, stumbling in center, or was that just the moment? No, I, I'm a hundred percent confident um, in saying that that. Any, anything that happened with Gomez was uh, injury related. Like a healthy Gomez wouldn't have gotten picked off at first, and a healthy Gomez would have made that catch in center. Exactly, and at the same time, the dude, you know, he put up some legit swings for us. E- even if it isn't, I think that, that balances out, and you want him on the roster, no question. He's going to be on the roster regardless. Mm-hmm. As far as like how I feel about Colby Rasmus, he made eight million dollars this past year, and I think he outperformed that contract. So, you know, as far as expectations for next year, I hesitate to think the Astros don't extend a qualifying offer to him because worst case scenario, he accepts a qualifying offer and, you know, underperforms a bit from his past year. And I think the risk reward there is 
if that's your floor, um, is pretty high. This sounds horrible, but I'm a really big fan of extending a qualifying offer to Colby Rasmus and him rejecting it and us getting the compensation pick and him moving on to another team. And I only say that because our outfield depth just gets like deeper and deeper and deeper. When you go back and look at the system, and I did that today, uh, you have a couple of guys who could come and step in uh, and potentially play in a platoon situation uh, with Colby Ra- or with uh, Marisnik in in left field, and uh, you know I'm all for the youth movement kind of continuing its charge and just seeing how these guys play out. If um, we we hadn't done that with the first base situation, specifically um, with uh, why, why is my mind going blank? Uh, first base prospect that's kind of flamed out. John Singleton. John Singleton. Goodness. <laughs> I think if we hadn't done that, I think going into this next year, we'd be thinking a lot differently about that situation and have some confidence that it would be plugged in by a rookie. And I think we know now that that's just not the case. So I don't know. For for me, I I would love to see Kobe back. I think that that would be great for this team. Uh, I think if Kobe leaves and we get the compensation pick, we're in a great position too. So I'm not super worried uh, with what ends up happening there, but I'd love to see him back. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of became like, it was weird. Like there were, there was a first half of the season and I know I'm like babbling. So like, feel free to like jump in and tell me to <laughs> shut up. But for the first half of the season, it felt like he really wasn't part of this team. Like he was just like another guy. And then at some point, like he had his shirt off in uh, these post game celebrations. And it's like, how did we get here without Colby? You know? Yeah. I yeah. think, I mean, I think one of the only people that I know who doesn't want him back is my wife, just because she doesn't like his hair. Well, that was actually a huge benefit to me because the the I, I saw a lot of Royals fans getting really salty about his uh, his greasy long hair, <laughs> and I think it's kind of like a little bit whack as well. But if other people it really bothers them, then I'm all for it. <laughs> also mentioned uh first and third base yeah yeah is that something that you know that will get filled by rookies is that something that we're going to try to find a stopgap for before the rookies can come up is john singleton going to play first is chris carter going to play first i don't know man we're going to have to we're going to have to check mlb trade rumors on that well one. i read i actually speaking of mlb trade rumors i think that they posted an article about how chris carter could be trade bait for the astros uh or trade bait um, by the Astros since he had performed so well over his last three some odd weeks. The thing to me about Chris Carter is there are very few bats in this game right now that can be game changers and just take the game over. And Chris Carter is one of those bats. The problem isn't that isn't how how where his ceiling is at. His ceiling is very high. The problem is the consistency factor. Mm-hmm. And when you look at when the Astros originally picked him up a few years ago. Uh, we could risk it a little bit, you know, and, and if he needs some time to develop and figure things out, you know, that's cool. You know, as long as he's still progressing to kind of be become that elite power bat. And I, I kind of wonder and I'm curious where you guys feel like, are we still in that position? Is it still OK to take the risk at, at first base to, to see if he has that monster 40 home run 100 RBI season? I don't think so. Personally. I don't think so, and I think it ultimately becomes a question of um, are you going to continue 
to do what you did that got you here? Or now that you're here, are you going to do that thing that you think is going to take you to the next level? I, I don't know what the answer is, but my opinion is that Chris Carter might benefit from a change of scenery. I wish him the very best, but he's he's been a source of a lot of frustration for our fans this year and for me personally watching him play and and a lot of joy over the last few years of him being with us. I think maybe it's probably his time to go. Yeah, and he might be the next JD Martinez, which might be the most painful painful uh player to leave yet <laughs> watching jd do what he does is, is pretty painful but you know we have a pretty solid outfield anyway so i don't think we're too worse for wear if chris carter goes and hits 40 bombs somewhere it's going to be like the rangers and chris davis and uh people will be regretting that kind of over and over but i'm with you guys like i just don't i can't see chris carter in an everyday starting role on this team this year next year even though this team is not a playoff team without him uh, the last, you know, uh, month of the season. Well, and as far as first baseman go, and one that you just mentioned, everybody online is seems to be jockeying for the Astros to pick up Chris Davis as a free agent, and I personally 100% disagree with that. Oh yeah, that would be a horrible. That would decision. be that's that that's money that that could be spent on starting pitching or bullpen arms whenever we have AJ Reed, Duffy, and Tyler White in the system that could all. I mean, it could all eventually be. Just one of them could be an everyday starter at first base. And you know Chris Davis is going to look for a long-term and expensive contract. Yeah, I th- to me that's the thing is like I can't see Chris Davis in, in an Astros uniform because Luna hasn't really gone after like a type A free agent with a long-term contract. When you look back at like who he's gone after, it's been people like Tanaka, you know, that are are – international free agent signings where you have a little bit of risk reward element to it. Um, when you pay for these guys, you know, that are type A free agents, usually you're at best hoping to kind of break even. And I don't see like Luno taking that risk. And I think the name that you just threw out AJ Reed is like a really important one to look at. He's not that far away from the show and he's, you know, playing fall ball, uh, in, in the Arizona League, uh, which tells me from a development perspective, he he could easily start at AAA with, you know, an inside chance of getting, you know, after a month or so past the deadline that makes him arbitration eligible, the Super 2 deadline, um, and be up with his team. You know, he could be next year's Carlos Correa. And why would you sign, you know, a big free agent like that when you have someone ready in the waiting? I've had many discussions with many of my friends about how, you know, some of my friends want AJ Reed up as soon as possible. Others think he already should have been called up. But to me, you know, last season was his first full season of professional ball. And like for a week ago, I was like, he's going to spend one more season in the minors still. In my mind, he's going to spend one more season in the minors. But I don't know why. I don't know what I've seen, what I've read. But for some time in the last week, my mind has clicked to agreeing with what you just said, where I could picture him starting in AAA next year, and I could picture him a couple of months into the season coming up and being our first baseman. So qu- question, you got to actually see AJ, right? Yes. And what, what's like, uh, not talking about like baseball skills, just like physicality and presence, like does he have something that would 
easily translate to Major League Baseball? Like, does he look like a major leaguer out there? He is a big and strong dude, and he's confident at the plate. He's got tons of power from the left side. Like, he's... He's what you want in a major league first baseman. He's he played college ball, so he has that experience. That like it, it's not like you know he's a young dude who just got drafted at high school. And I mean, I think that undoubtedly his hitting could match up with major league pitching right now. Um, but back in that interview, he he said that he he feels like his defense is his one weak spot that he wants to work on and that's probably what he's doing right now in arizona yeah i read an article where there was that quote that that he said that's what he's working on is just the defensive side of things which um tells me he's got a lot of confidence in that hit tool and he should like as he should too like he yeah yeah that that that's i mean my non-professional scout opinion <laughs> right right yeah i didn't want to like put you on the spot for like as far as like his baseball skills and stuff go but you know sometimes you just see a guy and it's just like it's like a man among boys kind of situation do you and remember I- what was it two two years ago uh carlos correa was kind of like he wasn't like that filled out yet he was still trying to no. bulk up a little bit and then last season pictures of him sort of coming out of spring training and he's just like he's built he's filled out he looks like a major league player like that's what aj reed looks like and he hit for he hit for a very high average against double a pitching this year right yes he sees the ball well hit for power yeah i'm ready and i mean i he he officially uh, as of a couple of days ago officially got the invite as a non-roster uh non-roster invite invite to spring training so he will have a chance to uh prove himself he's being put on notice and i think that that's the that's the kind of like interesting thing to me about this if there's one position on the diamond uh that there's gonna be a lot of question marks going into and there's probably gonna be more than three guys playing for it's gonna be that first base role mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and as far as third base goes we have jed lowry through 2018 right or until 2018 do is jed lowry our starting third baseman until Alex Bregman is ready to uh, to make a shift over from shortstop to third and start for third bit start at third base for us. I first of all, uh, the answer to me is no. I don't think Jed's that guy. I also don't think that Bregman's going to be the one that's shifting over to third. Really? Who do you think will? I think Correa is going to shift over to third. Why is that? Because he just he's still growing. He's just going to keep getting bigger, and at some point. It just seems that seems to be the model. You know, when you have two great defensive players, the guy who's huge and built like a football player goes over to third and the guy that looks like Dustin Pedroia plays the middle. But see, to me, I feel like I feel like Correa has gone through all of his development as a shortstop. Correa is in the majors succeeding as a shortstop. Bregman is still down in Lancaster. Bregman has, you know, he's at he's at high A. He still has plenty of time to to get developed at third to play tons of games at third to get in that groove and why how do you think Correa would benefit from getting shifted over after his entire development has been as a shortstop well i i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i don't know a moment a moment of truth with james (laughs) i'll throw my perspective out there because i was actually thinking a lot about this yeah let's hear it like where i started my off-season research was what what's out there on the free agent market and how can we improve and a lot of that was focused on pitching and 
Um, I'd love to get that in a second because there's not a lot out there, which makes some pretty interesting situations for the Astros, I think, as part as evaluating talent that's in-house. I honestly don't think Alex Bregman makes the major leagues, makes it to the major leagues as an Astro. The, the Astros have a philosophy, I feel, of taking the best talent with the highest ceiling. And Alex Bregman is kind of a college guy who doesn't necessarily fit that mold, right? I mean, he's polished on base, um, you know, but doesn't have the quite the ceiling that, you know, a Carlos Correa type did. You know, he's coming in at a young 17 years old and we know has all has the skill sets to become something amazing. So for me, at least, I don't I don't see Alex Bregman making it, especially when you look at it, look at the middle infield and Jose Altuve is not going anywhere anytime soon. And if if Alex Bregman isn't playing short, his next best position isn't third. It's it's um, it's uh, it's, second. Yeah, it's middle infield. Yeah. So I don't see him at third at all. Um, so I, I, to be frank, I Alex Bregman doesn't make the majors next year for me. And I think he's trade bait uh, this offseason and, and next. Oh, no, I was talking Alex Bregman making the majors as a third baseman once Lowry is contract has expired. So the year after. OK. Yeah, yeah I wasn't I wasn't talking about no, not next year at all in the majors next year either. I'm just getting really excited about next year. Guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I heard what you said, Chad. I said, I don't know. And you said a moment of truth from James. 14 episodes, Chad. Do you think I'm full of shit? <laughs> No, 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 no. I was saying it, it was like a like you you uh, you you kind of like just like made a pause, you know. Where you're like, you know what? I just don't know. Like most people wouldn't have the cojones <laughs> to say that. Most people would be like me, and they would just bullshit some stuff together. So that's what I was saying. Okay. I've only thought you've right. been full of shit for like two episodes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> oh, so here is something. Com- this is like completely. Well, it's. I would say off topic, but it's not off topic. We're talking Astros baseball. It's not in the stream of uh, conversation. But if I don't mention it now, I'm going to totally forget. Uh, did you all see about the uh, rejected Craig Kimbrell trade or the, the trade that would have gotten Craig Kimbrell at the deadline? That kind of smacked of just utter speculation. Really? Yeah, because it was McTaggart, right? I and think it says, was Evan Drellich. Uh, Evan Drellich. Yeah. Okay, but the way that they presented it was this is what we think the trade could have looked like. Correct. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to I make of that. I thought that it was like sources, no, baseball it, sources. It, 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 he, he was surmising what they would have asked for, and I think there was like a hint of truth in there. He probably had some inside information yeah. about the types of players that were maybe trying to give up. I don't. I Evan Drellich is like a lightning rod for me. I think he's like kind of an asset. So for me, at least, I, I read it as another like just like attention grabbing into the year. What can I kind of like say that's going to get some reads? You don't mm-hmm. think that that was ever proposed to Leno, and Leno said no. I think it's possible, but I don't. I I think that Drellich has no idea if it was proposed or not. I don't think it's confirmed, anyways. That was my off topic. If I don't talk about it, I'm going to forget about it. So, <laughs> But it's kind of on topic, right? I mean, it's Astros baseball. Can we jump back to the, the third base yes, position? No, that's what I wanted what? to do. Yeah, we'll yeah. jump back to that. Can we talk Colin Moran? Like, okay. where, like we, we, he hasn't even been brought up in kind of the scenarios you guys were talking about. Are you guys believers, not believers? He would have to have a, a much better year next year than he had this year. I, I don't know his numbers off the top of my head because, you know, I'm just full of shit. But. <laughs> well, he actually, 
it just just to level set he did have a pretty good year he batted 306 which mm-hmm. was back-to-back years of batting 300 and that's coming off of what a fractured jaw injury yeah yeah he had that weird jaw whatever injury and he, his ops was 840 mm-hmm. which was which was up so he's getting on base the weird thing is like it's 96 games nine home runs so you know not the type of power that you might expect from the third base side so it's sort of like my read is right now as a player he's like the direct opposite of Valbuena well the direct opposite of Valbuena in the first half fair enough yeah well and that being said I mean you said we left out we left out Colin Moran what about Matt Duffy true we saw that Duffy can play I mean I guess he only had what eight eight plate appearances nine plate appearances something like that but he wasn't he didn't seem startled by major league pitching he seemed like he could handle major league pitching yeah yeah had some big hits yeah could could either duffy or moran be a potential answer at, at third in about a year or so until we find that uh until in my opinion bregman gets shifted over but not everyone's opinion i don't know i'm like the more we talk the more i realize i'm i'm less sure of my view of first base being the craziest up for grabs opportunity at spring training. It might be a toss up between first and third and closer. The obvious lockdown positions for us right now are second, short, and right. Right? Are there any other lockdown positions? Catcher? I'm not even sure about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't even know if we can count on Castro or Conger being our everyday catcher, right? I'm curious to hear what, what James thinks if he if he does think it's locked down, because I, th- I think that there is a, a good logical argument for that. Um, I don't know. If it, it's, it's weird for me, because when I think about it, if Hank Conger could throw a fucking ball to second, <laughs> he, he would probably be like locked out at this point, because he hit pretty well yeah. and played some yeah. good D. And if Jason Castro could take his head out of his ass at the plate, then he would be locked down. I don't know. Like either one, like just presented such such a downside without a huge upside that I, I'm just confused there. So I mean, who, who are you think? Are you thinking Castro's locked down? It seems to me that the pattern of Hinch and Luno. Yeah. Uh, the tendency of Hinch and Luno is to go with defense over offense in right. that particular position. Yeah. Although I I have a theory, and you guys just maybe remember this moment, remember this episode. I believe Mental in the note. future. Yeah, I believe in the future there will be a push for a designated hitter at the catcher position because it is a premium position where defense is uh, most That's important. Fascinating. So two designated hitters in the lineup. Two designated hitters, and that's that's just to begin with. <laughs> Dude, there's some National League guys out there that want to murder you right now. What got me thinking about that was, you know, just sitting there like I do, thinking about how much I hate the American League. And it was, it was during the whole Conger-Castro fiasco that lasted about a week when Conger was hitting Grand Slams. And then Castro came back and hit a grand slam. That was an that was an awesome episode, by the way. Where we were like, I'm not sure who's the best catcher on this roster, but both of them both of them are like the best catchers in all of baseball. And then the floor fell yeah. on that one, right? Yeah, I, I got to thinking about it during that time, and just the way that TV ratings and fan engagement <laughs> is valued right now in the league, I, I could see them saying, you know what, there's a few catchers that can hit really well and. The team can have the option to hit them if they want. 
but let's go ahead and just vote in a designated hitter for the catcher more offensive excitement more defensive excitement so on and so on i called in to talk to charlie palillo i i, I regret this i called charlie palillo's uh afternoon show on sports talk 790 and i was just positing this just the idea that some point in the future a designated hitter might um you know we might see one for the catcher position and he pretty much called me an idiot <laughs> on air really what a douchebag yeah. oh he's a douchebag <laughs> he sucks no i i i think there's something really intelligent there because why do we have the designated designated hitter now we have it because often uh more often well, because off, bunts are boring off it. it's interesting but at the same time you you it was basically giving up and out right like you were so focused on your craft of pitching that it would be better that you spent that extra 30 minutes that day working on you know your your wind up you know whatever your release points uh then try to to work on your batting because the return is just like nowhere near the same and i why is that not different with the catcher from a defensive perspective that has evolved where pitch framing uh has become such a huge element of the game why wouldn't you work on those specific elements then try to hit the ball that that makes a ton of sense to me yeah thanks i mean i'm not like it seems like it seems like one of those things like it would take a really long time like we we would have to have parity of the dh in both leagues right well i was gonna ask what comes first two dhs in the american league or one dh in the national league (laughs) can you imagine if there were two dhs in the american league and not in the national league oh my god there would be an uprising baseball fans wouldn't have it (laughs) yeah jimmy's would be rustled like on overdrive big time but to answer your question i'd say the dh in the national is is coming i'd say within five years it's coming, yeah. i say a decade i i think you can make arguments for either <laughs> i i don't think it's going to be in the nor- near term because we have so many new and fresh things in baseball that we're trying to get a handle on uh specifically instant replay um but i could see kind of those things settling down and happening in five years but i could also see some of the purists like just not wanting it to be allowed i, d- I don't so, want it to be allowed I, I think congress should step yeah. in <laughs> Didn't Congress step in for something baseball related? Was it Roger Clemens or something? Oh no, um, I don't know. there was something. I, I don't know. Recently, baseball related. Not sure. I know uh, the forward something. pass in football was pretty much Teddy Roosevelt's idea, but that's football. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, we'll save that one for another uh, trivia <laughs> night. Can we talk bullpen a little yeah. bit? Yeah. So I, I I honestly think that one of two things will happen. You guys tell me if you think I'm way off or maybe I, I'm onto something here. One, Luno does an Evan Gaddis style trade where there's some guy out there we didn't even know was available that he puts a package together for and brings him in to, to be our new closer. Big power arm type guy. Um, or two... Vince Velasquez becomes our new closer. Thoughts? I could see... So, I could see us at least diving into the system to get one person for the pin. But I honestly think that Luno's going to try to do the whole Will Harris thing. Here's a guy that, you know, claim off waivers, and everyone thinks that he's no one, and then he 
dominates for all season and then falls apart at the end of the year <laughs> well so i mean that's that's the thing is maybe they now know something to look for in someone like that where they can find uh, where they can find value in someone that there wouldn't otherwise be valuing i'm just ready for the astros moneyball book to come out so we can read all about that i gotta think like they have some conversations at some point with these waiver wire or like Hey, we're gonna put a guy who barely touches 90, 90 miles an hour in the pen, and he's gonna be our closer. I gotta think like they sit around the table and they like this could go really well or really fucking bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like there's other areas where they're like convinced that it's gonna be okay. This is the perfect move. This is what we need to do. And in other ones, they're like, let's roll the dice. Yeah. <laughs> but see, do you think that Vincent Velasquez comes in as a closer or? Do you think that he was used out of the bullpen primarily with us this season to to limit his innings like they had announced at the very beginning of the season? Like do you think do you think going forward he's going to be a bullpen guy or a, a starter? Cuz he appeared 19 games for us this season, starting 7 of them, 9 games in Double A, starting 5 of them, 5 games in uh in 2014 in the fall league starting four of them so it's like he kind of starts and comes out of the pen almost an equal amount yeah i don't think it's for me okay when i look at this if you can't pull some kind of evan gaddis style trade because i don't think there's anyone that fills that you know high velocity back into the bullpen role that's out there on the free agent market so if you can't pull that evan gaddis style trade then you gotta look internally and who do you have? You have Lance McCullers and you have Vince Velasquez. And Lance McCullers is not moving from that rotation based off of what we saw. True. Specifically, you're not going to have a guy who starts a playoff game and comes back the next year um, to, to be a pin guy. So I struggle to see if it's not Vince Velasquez, then, then like who is it? And that's kind of like my theory right now. Earlier in this season, we had an episode where we each talked about three of uh, the prospects yeah, in our right, system, yeah. and the three guys that I picked were guys. Are you gonna say Yandel Gustave? Yandel Gustave, man, <laughs> bring that guy up. He can he can hit a hundred. I sent you a picture of me watching Yandel pitch and him hitting a hundred. It was a cool picture. I, it was a terrible picture, but it was a picture <laughs> of me watching him pitch. It sounds cool though. <laughs> no, it was me. It was me from the press box taking a picture because I was working. Yeah. But I was like, I'm. This is the guy that james profiled and i just watched him hit 100 miles an hour (laughs) yeah he can do it man bring him up yeah well then you have if you're gonna start going that low then you have people like michael Feliz and stuff like that too they're a little bit higher a little bit higher in the system but yeah i guess you know i guess after you mentioned that i could see velasquez trying to take on that role i mean he, he throws hard he throws well it's just can someone that young take the high leverage situations that a closer is going to be under. I mean, we saw Will Harris under more high leverage situations this season than he had been. And uh, sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't. And with a closer, you don't really want him to be that guy that sometimes it didn't. I think to me, it depends on whether Vince in a closer position, the guy that comes out and pitches one inning, uh, if he can dial up his velocity to closer to 100 than 95 then definite definite possibility but i think that this season and just kind of experience hath shown we need a guy that throws 100 miles an hour yep. are the reds going to compete next year can they just give us or all chapman i guess they could <laughs> for nothing it'd be pretty amazing and i want to <laughs> i want to point out 
Chapman was one of those like Luno type guys that you thought the team might go after and his workout in front of scouts was actually in Houston. Yeah. And think of, think of like, you know, hindsight's 2020. Uh, what, what's the name of the Cuban uh, first baseman that plays for the White Sox? Jose Abreu. Yeah. Abreu. Uh, if, if Abreu who we pursued Tanaka and Chapman were all on, all on this team. Yeah. Think about how things would have been different this past year. Um, that basically fills every single hole that we had. And they pursued Chapman at the trade deadline until the last minute, supposedly. So That was an exciting yeah. day. Yeah, that was terrifying. I thought we were going to lose everybody. I thought we were going to trade every prospect. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't recognize like the people in the field like it was like 2011 all over again. Yeah. I thought I was going to look up a Corpus Christi Hooks roster and just be like, where did everyone go? No one. It was like a lo- there's like a literal hole in Whataburger Field where everyone used to play. They're like, screw it. We're just going to blow the field up now. Hey, that's actually funny because they tore the entire field up in the offseason to redo it. Did they yeah. really? Like if you look at pictures on their Instagram right now, it, the, the field has is a crater. Like it's funny that you say that. Interesting. Speaking of Interesting. tearing the field up. They're not pulling up yeah. Towels Hill. What the hell? It's staying because, because we made the playoffs. Oh, whatever. We made the playoffs, it lives. Whatever. I heard it was the, the cricket match that they booked. What? They booked this cricket match that basically is like a two-week thing or something. And that would have bas- that would have made it so they would have to extend it into the season. That combined with the playoffs. One cricket match last e- two way, weeks? Yeah, yeah man. Know. Cricket matches last Cricket's forever. Cricket's crazy, man. Weird. They asked, like, yeah, it's like the Chris Burke home run game times like five. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it, but I feel a little gypped. Yeah, me too. In a way, on this one, at first when they're like, "Tal Hill's going away," and I'm like, "What the hell? This is like part of Astros culture. You can't do that." And then it was a little bit like playing in the American League. Like, eventually, get comfortable with it. And then the idea of it is like, man, I hate fucking Tal yeah. <laughs> And now it's gonna be there for a whole nother season. Like, I have to look at that abomination. It's like if you're sitting at home and your dog runs away, and you cope with the fact that your dog's gone, and then like four months later, your dog shows back up at your front door. Then like you're happy, but then it's like the dog's gonna. Like you're gonna have to cope all over again, right? Yeah, you gotta re you gotta readjust your dog being back and like waking your ass up at six o'clock to you know go take him on a walk. I'm with you on that. I don't know if that was too far out of an analogy. It probably no, was. No, it sounds like it happened to you at one point it, though. Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> Hit close to home. I had a dog run away. Her name was. Well, I called her Tuesday. My parents called her Lucy. No one could ever really decide what her name was. <laughs> The baby boy, the dog ran away. Well, maybe. She <laughs> she ran away, and she was gone for six weeks. And uh, my mother then sees this dog being walked down the street by somebody else. And my mom has to go out there and say, hey, that's my dog. And the woman says, no, it's not. This is this is my dog. And uh, the dog, Tuesday, was just freaking out trying to get back at, back to my mom. And my mom said, I don't, I don't think so, woman. That's my dog. You better give me my damn dog. So she went over and snatched the leash out of the woman's hand and brought the dog home. And then that person had to cope with the dog being gone. And the dog is Tal's Hill? Yeah, the dog's Tal's Hill. Okay. <laughs> I like how that was like questioning. Like, <laughs> There's like a question mark at the end there, but it didn't come in until the very end. Yeah, the dog is... Ta- Tal's Hill is the dog. Tal's Hill is the dog. Well... Now we're going to have a whole other year with our dog, and then they're going to announce that the dog's running away again. Yeah, it's true. I hope it goes away. 
I really do. I hope the flagpole goes out of play and the hill stays. Here's the dumb thing. They're saying like they don't have enough time to complete it without going into the season. Like the Cubs didn't have an entire outfield for like half the season. Yeah. And it was miserable yeah. for them though. Like we can, we can get away without like the Coke Plaza or whatever for like a week, yeah. you know? I just don't get it. Like maybe we need to stage an intervention. Between and who? Just, like, go. The dog in Tal's Hill or... No, oh. there's no dog in, okay. in like there, this situation. There's no dog. <laughs> this is real, Jordan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is, this is real life. Real. I'm saying we go down there with some shovels and just start digging it up. I and I will like if it's gone. Like, do they bring it back? I will chain myself to the hill like someone protesting the removal of a tree and not let y'all do that. Dude, I can't believe you love Tal's Hill like that. I I don't like the flagpole in play, but I like the hill. Why not? I don't know. Like, I think they did some math. Like, the Luno and team were like sitting around, and the there table would be a lot like, more God. home runs without the hill. Yeah, George Springer would have thirty-seven bombs this <laughs> yeah. year, and it's like, well, fuck it, it's gotta yeah. go. It's gotta go. You know, might as well. Yeah, I mean, I could, I, I won't, I won't be hurt if the hill's gone, but whatever. It, it's a hill. It's funny because I feel like we kind of like pulled one past the commissioner too. If the hill does go, because. When they approved the park dimensions, it was like kind of like a tit for tat situation, at least as I understand it, where the left field wall was like, okay, we'll let you guys have this like wickety whack, way close left field wall, uh, <laughs> just because you had this insane center field that you built the in. The deepest center field in all the majors. Exactly. And then like we pull the fences in, and it's like jokes on you guys, yeah. you know? Yeah. I hope it works. I hope it works. You know, people always talk about Minute Maid being hitter's park and with center field the way that it is and the really, really um, high home run line in left center. Left center. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really not as much of a hitter's park as people think it is. Now, if we move center field into 406 or 408 or whatever, then it becomes it it becomes a hitter's park. And I like that. Because we play half our games there. So you, you talk about, you can't believe why I like the, the hill so much. Do you know, if I could change anything about Minute Maid Park, the first, as far as playing dimensions go, the first thing I change wouldn't be the hill. It would be the weird, abnormal bullpen indentation in left center. I'm on board with mm-hmm. that too. That's the, that's the first, I wouldn't even consider changing Tal's Hill until I changed the but bullpen. But that's part wall. of the whole... Like fucked up left center situation, yeah. no? Yeah, it is because it's high, but then it's just like it. You have an indention, a few feet, a little column, another indention. Like it's not yeah, good. That's that's the thing that I would change personally. Yeah, I think you get support. And they're there. like, I mean, I understand they're the visitors and all, but they're like in jail out there in left center field. <laughs> like, well, the way the way I understand it is, visiting uh, bullpens actually love our bullpen. Well, because they don't get heckled, I guess. Yeah, they don't yeah, get they yelled don't get at. Heckled, and they don't get things thrown. It's true. Them. I never thought about it from that. I just feel which is a little bit of a disadvantage, right? It's less of a uh, of a yeah. They can't get field. rattled. I, yeah, I feel like we should just like find the five drunkest fans and just put them in the bullpen. <laughs> Force them to be you in know? the bullpen for nine innings. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey guys, do you want to get really close to the action? Why don't you sit next to the bullpen guys from Milwaukee or whoever we're playing? Here's a handbag oh, from Progressive there. and a couple extra yard marks. <laughs> if if anyone from Astros Marketing is listening, just let, I got lots of yeah, ideas. Hit up, Let's talk. Hit, hit chat up. <laughs> They're listening. It starts, like, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Drunk guys in the bullpen. Okay, speaking of the bullpen <laughs> being closed off and that being and that being a, a advantage to the team, let's just give props to Brock Monte for handing out his stuff after the loss in Kansas City. What a guy. 
Yeah. Did y'all see that? Little kids getting pieces of his bag and everything. Like, what a guy. Yeah. Um, I believe the baseball god gave props to Bracamonte. Mm-hmm. He did. And, um, yeah, he kind of <laughs> lived up to it. You can see why he's in good favor. Yeah. Just like, that. that's all that I have to say about that. It's another off-topic thing for me because it's our last episode. So why not go off-topic? Hey, we got to cover all bases for 2015 because there's no return, yep, right? Yeah, this is it. Can't this hold anything it. back. Yeah. I'm actually just not going to be a baseball fan after this. Ever. <laughs> wow. Not to mention Wow. That. Here's, here's the line. Since we run a baseball podcast, you might not want to step over that line of, I don't care about baseball. It no, and you work in yeah, baseball. And it's my, it is my full-time job, <laughs> so I'm just going to be miserable because I'm going to be surrounded by it. <laughs> That's funny. For a second, you sounded like all the all the crazy, like really negative fans that joined the game discussions <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. They just they, they hated they hated our team. Keiko gives up a home run. Yo, cut him. Why? He was the best piece. Might win the Cy Young award. Yeah. Like, might. I think he will. Let's talk about end of season awards. Okay. Cy Young. Speaking Dallas Keiko, Carlos Correa, Rookie of the Year. All right, guys. Right? Good show. Yep. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> So for for me at least, like Keuchel is like shoe in now for Cy Young. Like it used to be like a two horse race, but David Price has just like exploded. For sure, right? yeah. So isn't isn't it Keuchel's now? Definitely, it can't not be. Price hasn't been the best in postseason, but all of those votes were, had to be inputted before the beginning. Do of, they? Yeah, they have to be all of the baseball. Oh, writers, I did not know that. Yeah, all the baseball writers association awards have to be inputted before the mm. postseason starts. I didn't know that either. Well, God damn it. If he doesn't win. Yeah, the deadline was like before our all-star or before all-star before our wild card game. All of those uh, votes had to be submitted. Yeah, pretty sure. Like wow. 98% sure. Mm. I could be wrong. Wow. Well, if he ends up not winning the Cy Young, I'll be really I will be very disappointed. Yes, me too. If the votes were put in before the playoffs, I think there's a decent chance he is. Yeah. What about Francisco Lindor taking the... Uh, do you think he will take the Rookie of the Year award from Carlos Correa? Nah. No? I can't see it happening. Carlos Correa has such name recognition, mm-hmm. and I think everyone acknowledges that he's like the next Mike Trout. He's the next big thing in baseball. No doubt if he does like a 15, 20 year career, he's a Hall of Famer. And like, do you want to be the guy who didn't vote for Carlos Correa's Rookie of the Year? So y'all gave me crap saying, all right, show's over. But then y'all agree with me on both points? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, that, that I, was I it. Think that there's a, I think that there's a decent chance Keiko doesn't get Cy Young with the voting the way it is, I guess. Um, and, uh, but I don't, I think Korea is like an open shut case. Yeah. Excellent. And I think AJ Hinch gets manager of the year. Uh, no question about that. Yeah. I'm with you too on that. I don't see it. I don't see anybody, um, getting more votes than Korea for rookie of the year, even though Korea only played, you know, 70 something games, games. 90, 90 something games. Yeah. He played the exact same number that Lindor. I mean, if anybody's going to beat Carlos Korea, it's going to be Francisco Lindor. In my opinion, it's going to be Lindor. Yeah. But I don't like it's sort of like I don't know there there's been a lot of uh, a lot of uh rookie of the year races over the years um where one player you just know is maybe performing at his best and he may be able to do that you know for a few more years but Carlos Correa is the type of player where I don't believe we've seen his best I don't think we we've gotten uh, we've gotten glimpses of it, but he isn't—he isn't the player he will be three, four years from now. 
Um, so for me, at least, it's hard to not give that player with similar performances. It's hard not to give the player that's going to be better the the award. But we'll see. Yeah. I I think you could also make a case in terms of manager of the year for the manager of the Blue Jays. He, um, the Blue Jays started out, you know, with really high hopes. They it seemed like they were beginning to underperform, and then after the trade deadline, they surged past the Yankees, who continued to play pretty well and took the division. Um, I I could see him being in the running for manager of the year also. James, you're going to absolutely hate me, Um, but I I could see a case for Jeff Bannister being manager of the year as well. No, that's not going to (laughs) happen. I was was afraid to say it out loud, but I think that he also has a shot, personally. (laughs) Mm-mm. Well, real, real quickly, uh, we're talking about John Gibbons when we're talking about it's the Blue Gibbons, Jays. okay? And yeah, I did have to Google that, um, but I just want to make sure we got the name out there. I'm with you on Bannister, man. If there's like one guy who like could give AJ Hinch a run for his money, it's Bannister. And like, anytime you have a team that people think is down and out and doesn't have a chance, and they come back and they win the division and play really tough as nails baseball doing it, I hate the rangers well, like you said they're um, the ones but who they have tough snails. they have that division champs pennant like yeah they do they have that banister has that on his resume now as much as we don't like the arlington rangers it's possible yeah thanks jordan i went from like maybe like having like a beer after the podcast is over with to like now i'm just gonna go get the whiskey bottle yeah i'm sorry man but I'm, i just bit. i want to be well i'd say i want to be unbiased but i can't be unbiased but I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to bring as many views to the table as I can. <laughs> Anyone but the Rangers. Like I don't know how I got to that point. At the beginning of the year, it was just like eh, the Rangers. Like eh, whatever. I don't really like now. I just want to like if I see someone with the Rangers hat on, like it triggers me. It makes me really me too. okay. Here, me too. Here's a question: Would you rather punch Rangers fan? Okay, <laughs> would you rather have? lost in five in the division series to the Royals or gotten swept by the Rangers in championship series? Oh, God. Lost, lost in, in five, five to, to the Royals. Royals. Yeah. I'd oh, rather God. have that than gotten swept by the Rangers. Don't right? even don't even put those like images in my mind. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to put me on suicide watch I'm just, now. Just for thinking I'm trying to it. bring all of the views to the table. No, but I'm with you. <laughs> that was like really scary thinking about it just because the Rangers had our number, you know, and like how are we going to get out of a five or seven game series where we got to play at least four games, assuming it goes a distance in Arlington? Like, oh man. And that's like the one thing, like if I'm AJ Hinch, like my off season, like I don't give, I don't care about all the positional battles, whatever. Like we know can figure that out. What's my game plan for the freaking Rangers next year? You know, just to play 500 ball against them. (laughs) Yeah. What's his game plan for the road next year? At least play 500 ball there, right? Completely true. Or just like, you know, lose 10 to 15% less, I think would be amazing. I, I think the when it comes to our questions about the Rangers and about the road and about really anything is, is the bullpen. It seems like in any given year, for the vast majority of teams, you can, if you're, you know, really generalizing wins and losses in this way, you can attribute lots of losses to the bullpens. You could take a team that was, you know, 62 and 100. You could say, well, you know, they 
gave up the lead in 20-something games, well, they, if they had a better bullpen, they could theoretically be a 500 team. Well, that's because the bullpen is one of the uh, bullpen pitchers are the most inconsistent is the most inconsistent position to to try to forecast, right? Right. But if we if Luno and company make moves in the offseason to um, not only shore up but to like fortify uh, this bullpen and make it a powerhouse, then I could see that sort of being the answer to the question of how are we going to win on the road consistently. Yeah. Well said. So that's episode 14, 14 episodes for our inaugural year. Um, it's funny, like we've talked a little bit about each episode and I can't believe we've made it this far, kind of like tongue in cheek type of stuff, but it really has been a, a pretty amazing year to watch the Astros and talk about the Astros uh, with you guys, Jordan and James. So just want to give you both a shout out. Thanks for uh, hanging out every kind of uh, week or two here and, and talking ball and um, i think it doesn't do it justice but it's been fun yeah i mean we made it a whole season together or not a whole season but till the end of the season and i mean it was it, would t- it was great talking ball with y'all talking with uh, all of our guests from dennis to all of uh who else clutchy ball aj reed mark appell jeff blum who else was with us is that it the baseball god the baseball god the baseball god um and i think that's the list yeah and i mean especially like to the to the r astros community i got to go to my first meetup during the wild card game everybody was super cool everybody was nice so just shout out to to all of them for for being cool folks yeah um i just want to say you know jordan your um ambition and organizational skills uh getting this whole thing going absolutely invaluable chad you're brilliant i freaking love talking baseball with with both y'all all season long so thank both of y'all very much thank you uh to the r astros community you guys have been really supportive and just really nice to us so thanks for listening and uh keep checking back and um, we look forward to making more great shows for y'all next year. Look forward to watching the Astros win the World Series next year. I said it. Yeah, and I think you could honestly just substitute um, ambition and organization uh, of mine to just sheer boredom at one point. So, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Make sure, if you're listening to this, that you, uh, if you want to send us an email, send it to us at astrospodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at r astrocast that's the letter r followed by astrocast get send us an email send us a tweet you know we'll probably respond like i said cheer boredom i will definitely respond at some point or another (laughs) Uh, but yeah i guess that's us signing off for the 2015 season and see y'all in spring training all right go astros cool see you guys next year